You're listening to the Ideal Life Club podcast, episode 43. Welcome to the Ideal Life Club podcast, where it's all about fast-tracking your ideal life. Join your host, life coach, and author of The Happiness Habits Transformation, Michelle Reeves, for inspiration and practical tips to finally claim success on your terms with clarity, confidence, and the courage to unleash your passion on the world. Hey there, Michelle here, and welcome back to the Ideal Life Club podcast. So if you're a regular listener, you'll know that one of my goals for this podcast is to share the real life stories of women who have overcome challenges to live their ideal life or help others to do just that. My aim with these interviews is to inspire you to find your passion, step out into your power, set yourself exciting goals and know that you have the strength inside you to overcome your challenges and start living your ideal life. From a difficult childhood to an award-winning anger management coaching business, Tanya Heasley is the perfect example of how you can transform a negative personal experience into your purpose and passion, and I'm delighted to have her on the show today. Tanya combines anger management, counselling, coaching and positive psychology, and yes, she has trained in all of these areas and more to help young people, parents and teachers to deal with their own challenging emotions and behaviours. In our interview, you'll hear the steps Tanya takes to overcome the negative beliefs which can hold us all back, including her fabulous superhero pose, which I love, how she changed the structure of her business so that a percentage of her profits could help young people who couldn't otherwise access her services, and how one particular internal dialogue can be so destructive for us all. You'll also hear how Tanya stays productive and focused, even though structure and discipline don't come naturally to her, who inspires her in business and key tips we can all use to help us manage our anger better. As always, you'll find all the links for connecting with Tanya in the show notes at michellereevescoaching.com forward slash listen. So Tanya, you have a fascinating and an award winning business that I definitely want to get into in a moment. And I particularly want to talk about your work in anger management as well as the side hustles you've got going on, because believe me, guys, this lady has got it all happening. But first, Tanya, just take us back to the beginning and how you ended up where you are today as the founder of Tristone Coaching, because you didn't have an easy start, right? No, um, I lived in a house with my mum and my stepdad and they both had really bad anger problems. So every single day was just fighting and shouting. Um, Sometimes the house would get smashed up. Um, And this was all happening when I was in the later years of high school, which was really, really difficult for me. And I just remember thinking back then, I didn't have anyone I could talk to. There were no other adults that could really support me in what was happening at home. So I used to just kind of make out everything was fine. You know, to my friends, everything's fine. And I was always happy-go-lucky, but inside I really wasn't. So, yeah, inside I was just suppressing my emotions. And um, I did used to write a diary about what was going on and how I felt. And I remember thinking back then, I wish I had someone actually to talk to 
Um, but when I was out with my friends, nobody really had an idea of what was going on at home until we got a bit older and they'd need to come around and they'd witness it themselves. So my close friends really started to see how life was for me at home. But inside, I just remember thinking that I wanted to kind of get into youth work or some sort of mental health career. And so um, I went to college. Initially, I wanted to be a graphic designer. That's what I really wanted to do was just be an artist. But because of the home life, I just felt that I wanted to help other people like me um, rather than pursue the actual dream, which was to be an artist. So when I went to college, I changed courses from doing art design to psychology. And I thought I'd be a teacher. That way I could kind of help young people through teaching them. But partway through my degree, I started to realise that actually teaching isn't what I wanted to do. And counselling was the thing I wanted to do. So fast forward a little bit. I, I got married and left home and... We had two children and, and I was doing my degree at the same time that I had two boys at home. And whilst doing the degree, I was also training to be a, a counsellor. And at the same time, I had two children and I was working part time for an advocacy service for young people that were looked after. Uh, and I got into anger management then, to be honest, just by chance. It wasn't something I thought I would end up doing. Um, because I didn't really know that you could do anger management. Uh, so I kind of fell into anger management with these uh, young people that were looked after, and I loved it so much that I thought, oh, I think I'll specialise in doing anger management alongside counselling. So that's how I started. And then I trained with uh, the British Association of Anger Management. And in the year that I was with them, I learned more about anger management than I did um, any sort of other personal development or emotional regulation. Uh, <clears throat> and part of that, actually, that training is to train me to train others. So I rewrote the program to fit young people because essentially that anger management training was just for helping adults manage their anger. And that was back in 2003. So I rewrote the program and started to teach anger management to young people in hostels and schools, uh, still young people that were looked after. And it just grew from there until we left Essex, because I'm originally from Essex, but now I live in Norfolk, and had another two children. So... I now had four children and my husband was still working in Essex and I was just finding my way in Norfolk, you know, making new friends and I wasn't doing that much counselling or anger management up here because there's less people than there were back down there. Um, but I really, really loved it. I still kind of did it, but just not as, like, I wasn't getting paid to do it. So I was doing it voluntary because I think I'm more led by how I'm helping people rather than money. Money's not my motivator. Um, although I do like to have money, but, you know, who doesn't? <laughs> so um, I think it was about 2012 
no, it was just before that, 2011, I started to uh, look at all the work I'd done previously, see if I could rewrite the program, um, did a bit of market research, see what was needed in this area. Uh, and anger, you know, management is needed everywhere. So I thought I'd just start small and uh, target schools because obviously young people is the thing that, um, that where my heart is. And so I, I contacted local schools, gave them a proposal of bringing my anger management into their schools and started working in a few schools around here. So it kind of, you know, all came back to me. Um, and then in 2016, I wanted to up it a bit more. So I decided to do a master's degree in positive psychology uh, and it combined positive psychology with the anger management and all the psychology I've learned over the years and the counselling and NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming and life coaching. So all, all the different types of training I had, I put it all together and wrote another anger management program for young people, which is called CHAMP. So it's Children's Healthy Anger Management Program. Um, and then as part of my research, I took it to a school locally to test it, to see what it actually does for the young people. Because even though I've always been told, oh, you've, you've really helped me, you've really changed my life, and you know, I've really managed my anger better. Coming from a scientific point of view, I needed to see the evidence that it was working. So that was part of the research. And out of that, the program I wrote does alleviate and ameliorate anger in young people. And, and now what I've found is that schools don't have the funding to access my service. So all these young people are missing out. So that's why I transferred my company Tristo Coaching into a limited company and a social enterprise so that 50% uh, of all the profits the company make will go back into the business to allow young people to access it for free so schools don't have to pay um, and to generate an income for the business so that young people can access it. I teach teachers anger management and parents uh, positive parenting because what I found is that with the young people I was helping they would go home and their anger would be <clears throat> amplified because there's stresses at home maybe mum and dad have split up or there's what money worries or you know there's loads of different reasons why there's stress in the home so then these young people would come back to me at school and I'd have to kind of start again with them and the same that I was seeing with certain teachers, they're heading for burnout. So that affects their ability to teach. And rather than be assertive and have a stern voice, they, what I was observing is that teachers were shouting unhealthily at the class and at certain pupils. And I could see that they like, essentially lost it. They weren't trying to assert themselves and gain so like discipline over the young people, they were basically putting their anger onto the pupils, which then would make the pupils that I was seeing anger jump up again. So it was like this vicious circle. So as part of that, I decided to do a PhD. So now I'm doing a PhD in teacher burnout uh, because 
I think burnout is a, a factor in lots of um, anger problems for people, especially in relationships. When people's stresses and their resources are diminished and low, <coughs> their anger elevates a bit more. So that was, that was really quite a, a short version of um, what, how I got to where I'm at now. Just basically my own childhood, uh, wanting to help young people manage their anger better. And as a result, I'm helping parents and teachers. I just completely love your story, Tanya, because, you know, it's so powerful to take what's happened to you and negative situations and turn that into something that is creating such a positive outcome for others and particularly you know I really you know acknowledge you for all the extensive studying you're doing you know I don't know how you find the time with four children and running a business to do all the studying that you do but fascinating this PhD in teacher burnout I'm sure that will will, um, engender some amazing results because you're absolutely right you know when we get tired even as parents you know when we get tired that's when our you know it's more likely that we'll get a short fuse um so i can totally see how teachers and the pressures that they're put under you know it can be really hard for them i'm sure so um just tell me a bit about you know when you were starting your your business um because it obviously we've got some listeners out there who who might be thinking about starting a business or just starting their business and it can be quite sort of tricky to figure out the business side of your of something that is you know that you find is your purpose something that you're very passionate about so how did you um sort of go about figuring out those business challenges I think for me it started with what was my pain points or what what was I struggling with so essentially it, you know back from a childhood <clears throat> I was struggling with my own anger um I was very rageful. I had a lot of anger when I was younger, but because I had parents whose anger was even more destructive, if I ever showed my anger, it was quashed. Um, essentially, I would, uh, I, this is the saying, um, now you've got something to cry for. So, you know, I would be punished for being angry. So I learned to suppress it. So rather than my anger being external, it became internal, which then affected my own mental well-being and I started to not like myself and you know that snowballed into uh, mental illness so looking back that was the fundamental thing for me was this this is the issue I have I need to let my anger out but I don't know how and there's no one to talk to there's nowhere to go which is um the first point I wanted to help people who were like me so I think that's what I would say is if you want to get into business is what is it that um, has affected you or that you can relate to? And once you find an answer of how you can deal with it, then you know that there's going to be people like that that want the same thing. So, you know, my, I can manage my anger brilliantly. Yeah. Um, it really takes a lot for me to get to a point of where I might even shout. So <clears throat> because of everything that I've learned and what I know, so that's, that's, one point of when you get into business is what's your pain point and what solutions did you find to help your pain point that you can help others with? Um, so that, that's a really fantastic tip, um, everyone listening. So, you know, think about the pain points 
that you've had to deal with and that you've overcome and you know start interrogating what are the st- is the step-by-step process that you use to overcome those pain points because if there are other people out there who are struggling with that same issue then they will benefit from your experience and yeah. that could be the starting point for your own business so mm-hmm. great tip from Tanya there. Um, Tanya, let's move on to kind of how those mental health issues kind of turned into some of the self-limiting beliefs that can hold us back. Because I know in my own experience, you know, with my mental health issues, suffering from postnatal depression, I definitely turned that inward. It became, you know, lack of confidence, feeling like, you know, I I just wasn't... um, able to, to do what I thought I could anymore. I felt, you know, loss of self-esteem. I kind of really did lose my way for a short period of time. And, and I'm guessing that that might have been the same for you as well. Did you struggle with some of those kind of self-esteem, lack of confidence issues? Yeah, totally. I mean, <clears throat> I've only given you a snapshot of what it was like for me, but um, so I, every, anything I did growing up was never good enough. So that, that was imprinted in my mind. Even though I was in top set school, I was sports captain, prefect, um, you know, A-star student, I just, it, my parents just didn't seem to relate to that. And um, so that was kind of like, I always felt I wasn't, well, yeah, I could do better, you know, I must be able to do better. So fast forward in my life, I, I had... Um, two boys and <clears throat> without and I'm trying to be diff- I'm trying to be respectful to my mum my here I don't think she'll be listening to this but um she didn't like boys and so obviously that was a massive disappointment to have boys um which actually led into me having postnatal depression too because obviously I didn't have boys and I'm never good enough so <clears throat> the postnatal depression lasted for seven years and had to have psychiatric treatment from it as well. Uh, so that's another thing that um, I got through whilst being at uni and running a business and bringing up my children. Um, so every now and then, I do have that perfectionism issue. Like if I'm writing a text or if I want to write a blog or a post or whatever, it will take me hours because I, it, in my head, it has to be perfect, which is ridiculous, but uh, and that can delay me sometimes. I have to ha- like remind myself that I am enough. I don't. It doesn't have to be perfect, and <clears throat> it it will still be relevant to certain people. That, you know, um, as an academic, everything has to be grammatically correct and spelling has to be brilliant, and that's separate from writing a post. And I have to keep reminding myself that writing a post on like Facebook is not the same as writing a paper for uni. So it's just having a little chat with myself. Um, something that I do do, which is, which may sound a bit strange, but if you try and picture Wonder Woman and when she puts her, her fists on her hips and stands with her elbows out, it's just every now and then I have to just stand up and just do that pose. Like I'm a superhero. If you can picture that, um, and it kind of realigns my thinking that, you know, I am a hero for these people in the world that I'm helping in. So I have to keep reminding myself to do that. And by doing that, I have to do it physically and just stand like a superhero. 
I love that. I think we should all do that at least once a day. Pick totally. your superhero guys, you know, stand in that pose, feel that feeling whenever you get that self-doubt, that little sort of critical voice inside your head. Because at the end of the day, we are all superheroes just battling through day to day, all the challenges that we have to overcome. And, you know, let's face it, Everyone has different challenges in their life, but it doesn't matter. Whatever it is you're going through, you know, honor that journey. You are going through that. And it's tough out there, Ooh. you know, particularly, you know, it's tough anyway. And then if you have, you know, that little critical voice inside your head that is practically sabotaging us from day in, day out, that makes it even tougher. So just being kind to ourselves and remembering that, you know, at the end of the day, we don't have to be perfect. I love that, that whole issue around perfectionism because I suffered with that definitely as a child um, felt like I had to be perfect nothing to do with um, any problems in my childhood at all I, I was blessed with a very happy childhood fantastic parents but I put a lot of pressure on myself to be perfect mm. um, and it, I have to remind myself as well you know 80% right and move on because at the end <coughs> of the day generally nobody else is going to notice what you've what you know you've left out nobody else is going to mm. notice yeah, exactly. I'm the same. If I'm doing a presentation and I go off my notes, I just think, well, they don't know what, what I'm meant to be saying. So I'm very good at winging it, if you know what I mean. Like, just carry on, just smile, and they, they don't know I've made a mistake. And I do have to keep reminding myself that it's okay. Yeah, completely. I think, I think that's something that will resonate with a lot of people listening. Um, so Tanya, in terms of, you know, you've talked about having um, four kids and the um, PhD you're doing and running the business, obviously doing coaching and anger management um, work. How do you, I mean, honestly, I don't know how you do it, but how do you manage, you know, running those different areas of your life? Are there any kind of daily routines you have? Is routine important to you? Are there any habits that you have to boost your productivity? I'm because I'm quite creative naturally like I said I wanted to be an artist um when you're creative like me I like to just go with the flow and that is my natural way of being so to run a business and a house and look after kids and stuff requires um dedication and discipline <clears throat> which is not natural to me so because I don't like to be constrained to certain boundaries um but I know if I don't do the certain tasks daily, then my business won't grow and uh, everything can then fall into chaos. So it is a struggle for me, but some of the things that I do is have a little routine. I've just recently got a puppy, which is like having another baby, by the way. It's really, really exhausting, but it's also really great, you know. And so what the routine I mean currently is I get up with the dog and I go for a walk and I wish I'd known this years ago because I probably would have been even further in my business is that walking a dog in the morning, no matter what the weather for me, it really clears my mind and it's a really good routine because it's like daily. And so now having a structured routine for me, even though I, I try to <clears throat> go against routine, it's actually beneficial. So that just starts the day off really, really well. But every day is different because of the nature of what I do. Um, I, I work with a lot of Americans and their time zones different. So I've got clients in San Francisco and clients in New York. 
So New York's five hours behind and San Francisco's eight hours behind, which means my day isn't the same every week. So I have to be kind of more flexible and adaptable to that. <clears throat> and I guess how I manage that is um, I make sure I have moments for myself. Like I'm a natural introvert as well. I like to be on my own so I can just gather my thoughts. Uh, and so I'll just every day, because I know what's happening in the day, say for instance today, later on I'm going to be working, and I'm doing this now, but I know that between four and five, it's free. So in that time, I might just go and read or do a little bit of sketching because that's, I know that's what helps me to chill a bit more. So in terms of for other people who are not creative, I think the Pomodoro technique is um, a good strategy to use. So what the Pomodoro technique is, uh, if you start work at nine and you have like a timer, you set it for 25 minutes, just do some work, know that that's what you're going to do for 25 minutes and then the timer will go off and then you just get off your desk or wherever you are, have a cup of tea or you know, go for a little walk around the building for five minutes and then come back and set the timer again for 25 minutes. And you do that four times and then after the fourth time <clears throat> when the timer goes off, you, set, you um, have 15 minutes break. So you that's probably when you could maybe have something to eat or whatever it is that you, you want to do. And you could either just have that as your daily routine. So you work the 25 minutes four times and you have five minute breaks in between. And you could do it again after the 15 minute breaks. So you, you do another four slots of 25 minutes or you just have free time for the rest of the day. So it, it, it depends on what suits the person, I think. But for me, it's um, getting up in the morning and walking the dog really, really helps. I think that's so true. I find, you know, any kind of exercise, particularly being outdoors, I'm a huge proponent um, of exercise. And, you know, anyone who's, who's read um, my book knows it's I've devoted a whole chapter to the importance of exercise and the brain boosting power of exercise and how incredible it can be. You know, if you're having one of those days where you've just got that, that mind fog that sometimes descends. I don't know about you, Tanya, but I, I have days like that where the mind fog just descends and I can't really focus. I just get out, either get out and do walk in the countryside around us here at the barn or, you know, jump on the treadmill and just do a little walk or you know just do some simple stretching some yoga and it really does clear the mind mm -hmm. I think it's it's almost like getting out of your own way and letting your mind kind of process stuff in the background um, and even just doing some journaling can be a great way of doing that as well if you're into that kind of thing so yeah definitely that resonates that's that resonates with me Tanya and another thing that resonates with me is how um, you're an introvert and it's interesting quite a lot of coaches that I speak to um, have told me that they're introverts so I think it's, it's very interesting I wonder um, if this is a trait of coaches that they can be introverts it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't like to be outgoing we obviously mm. like to meet people and work with people but we need to have that time on our own to mm -hmm. kind of reflect and refresh and fill ourselves back up again that certainly resonates with me I'm definitely an outgoing introvert yeah. um, but thinking about that and thinking about introversion um, how important is it to you to have a support community that you can kind of reach out to if things are kind of, you know, not going as well as, as you'd hoped or if you've just got questions about running your business? 
Well, I think that that is what really helped me. It, you know, because I've got a very supportive husband. He's always been pro me and encouraging, and um, so he's he's my first foundation, I guess. That he's uh, been really good, and I've got a really good support network in terms of my friends, especially you know in my forties now. My friends who I still hang out with, I grew up with in school, so they've grown. You know, this seen so much of my life back from when it wasn't very good in you know throughout my marriage and just been really there for me so I I feel really blessed that I've had a very good support network but and I appreciate that that isn't the same for everybody else you know some people might be doing it on their own they might be on their own um so sometimes I do think about that rather than say to people if you want to start a business you need a good support network because that's not always easy. Having said that, I think, you know, like you and me, we've got kind of a little support network going on on the sides. And that that's another way of, I think, <clears throat> growing a business is I'm part of different forums and network groups or female entrepreneurs. So I've, and in the process of that, actually, I've made friends. So I've got another set of friends who have been really supportive and and encouraging so support network is definitely key I think in building a business would you say the same yeah I absolutely say the same I mean even you know just being able to jump into um you know my Facebook group the Idol Life Club or some of the other Facebook groups that I'm a member of and just you know, ask a question, you know, I don't know how to do this or to even go in and answer a question is also, you know, it's a great feeling to be able to help others. Mm. Uh, I definitely agree with you. And I think, you know, as a, as a solopreneur, you know, running your own business, whether, you, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, doesn't really matter. Or, you know, if you're running a small business, it can still be quite mm. a uh, lonely thing you know quite often we work from home a lot of the time uh, and work on our own um, even if we're working with clients or if you're running an online shop or whatever it is you know it can be quite a lonely existence so I think the opportunity to be able to jump online you know have a little chat join in with a Facebook live or whatever it might be you kind of feel like you are part of a community and it does you know that doesn't mean you have to you know drive 10 miles and go to a networking group where you have to stand up and spend five minutes trying to talk about your business which yeah. you know, it's awful I can't bear that kind of thing but I just like networking you know I like support communities where it's like-minded people no one feels like they have to play a particular role everyone's authentic and you know we show up and we share our challenges and we just kind of you know help each other that way yeah definitely and it's it's knowing that for me other people are thinking and feeling the same way because like you say sometimes I think this is only happening to me no one has any idea and then I'll say something in one of those groups and there'll be loads of people saying oh I've had that too and this is how I dealt with it and I think oh oh yeah brilliant and that that it, it does really really help I think to be part of that sort of network yeah I completely I completely agree <clears throat> with you um, so Tanya, just talking about, you know, other people and how, how we can get help and support and inspiration for other people. I'm, I always ask this question of all my interviewees, cause I'm always fascinated to find out, you know, what, who inspires you. So who are the role models in your life or who do you look for, for inspiration? Um, from a business point of view or personally, 
because personally, I probably because of how I grew up, I don't really look at other people and think, I wish I was like you. I've learned to um, pick the things I didn't like around in the adults in my life and kind of created a person I feel is for other people more positive. So I, I can't say there is anyone in particular I would like to be like, but in terms of business, there are two women <coughs> who I find really inspiring. And one of them is called Ash Amberge. And she's the founder of the Middle Finger Project. I don't know if you've heard of her. Um, and another lady is called Denise Duffield Thomas. And she's a money mindset coach. Um, and what I really like about these two women is they are so authentic. They, they're not perfect. And I really love that because they just say what they think. And it's quite controversial a lot of the time what they say. Um, and I, I, I gravitate around people who are like that because that's how I am. I just want to be me, say what I think. And I know that I've upset people in the past, not because um, I'm malicious or offensive, just because I speak the truth and some people just are not ready to hear that. And this is within my circle of friends as well. It's not on a professional level. Um, but what I find is when I am being authentic with these people, it makes us closer, our relationship closer. So that's part of what I introduced into the, um, my relationship coaching business is I teach couples how to just be a little bit more brutally honest but let that one person share what they're thinking and feeling before the other person can attack back because you, sometimes you just need to let it out and then it, once it's out there it's like oh I feel better now and now I feel closer to you but you know that's that's my experience so yeah those two women um, I find them really inspiring isn't it funny as well, you know, we, and that is the beauty of the virtual world. And, you know, your followers probably feel the same way about you is that, you know, we can put ourselves out there and be, you know, just who we are and share our knowledge to help others. And, you know, people can really feel like they know us and, and hopefully get some comfort and some tips and some advice that helps them in a way that they feel the way that you do about, you know, these two to women. I think that's the, the real beauty of inspiration. I know I have my own virtual mentors that I look to, um, you know, for business and also for fitness and, um, and for nutrition. And yeah, I love following what they do. And, 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 and if they share a bit of their life as well, more the better. Definitely. Cool. I think I'm all about the story. I love, uh, and this was, this is for all of my life. I love hearing people's stories and I get inspired by their stories and how they got over things, or even the positive stuff, just like happy news. I, I do, I really, really love that about people. But in terms of like my business, I wanna improve young people's lives who are affected by anger. So that's like a nationwide thing. So rather than, I'm not just doing it locally, I want it to go nationwide. <clears throat> but I know the, the limitations and, and I'm not, um, ignorant to think that one person isn't going to be able to change every young person's life but also one per like there are people in history who have changed thousands millions of people's lives it's not that I you know I want that on my shoulders but I do I do just want to try and improve young people's lives 
on a national scale. But because of realism, I'm starting locally first. And that's kind of where I'm at, really. And I think that's, you know, it's such a powerful and it shows your purpose and your passion, which comes mm. through so strongly, Tanya. And I love that. And I think, you know, it's a great message to anyone that's listening. Um, you know, really, if you're starting a business or you want to go out and make changes in the world, start with your purpose and your passion, because that will drive you mm. and that will give you the strength to keep going when you have the, the barriers that come up. Mm, so absolutely. just talking about that, Tanya, and, and, and how, you know, the good that you want to do out there. And if there is anybody listening that feels like they maybe are struggling with some anger issues, are there any sort of maybe just a couple of tips that you can share that would help them to kind of get started with managing that anger? The first thing I do with all of my clients, whether they're adults or young people, is I encourage them to start a journal, which might seem boring or time consuming, but evidence shows that writing down how you're feeling and what's happened in your day really does improve our mental well-being. So I call it an anger journal. And that means because anger can be positive, not just negative. Um, it's just the way we express our anger that is deemed negative. But the actual emotion, anger itself, can help us if we use it in the right way. So an anger journal is to write down when you felt angry in the day. Uh, what what, you, what was the thoughts? How did you react? Um, what would you have liked to have done better? Until that starts to become more natural. And so that would be the first tip is to get an anger journal. <clears throat> and then uh, another tip is to talk to people that are close to you who you feel will give you an unbiased opinion. So not those friends who agree with everything that you say. Like if you've got um, a gripe with someone at work and you go to a friend and you just want to like offload to your friend and your friend starts fueling it, that's not going to be a good um, outcome. He's just going to keep you in that place of anger. It's going to a friend who will just hear what you're saying and say things like, that must be really tough. Or, or you know, how do you feel now? It's the, and not everybody has these people in their lives, but that would be something I would definitely recommend is talk to somebody that isn't going to fuel your fire. Um, exercise, definitely, because anger gives us energy to act because it's getting us ready to get out of danger or attack. And if you've got anger and it's in your head and you're not doing anything with it, the energy stays in your body which eventually will come out later in life, um, either through depression or different other things, like um, just things that make you feel exhausted like all the time because you've got suppressed anger. So do some exercise. And like you said earlier, you know, even if it's just doing a little bit of yoga, some stretching, like I said, take a dog for a walk or even go for a walk. So they're the three tips, really. Have an anger journal. Talk to somebody you know isn't going to fuel your fire and move around a bit to get the, the energy that anger has inside you out. Fantastic tips there, Tanya. So, guys, if you're listening to this, if it does sometimes feel like your anger is getting the best of you, have a go with those tips. Try those tips out um, and see if that, that works for you. 
And Tanya, it's just been so amazing talking to you today. I find your story so inspiring. I love how it's taken you on this journey of helping other people and how you've used what you've overcome and the challenges that you've overcome to help other people live their ideal life. It's just been wonderful chatting to you. And I've learned so much. And I think anybody else who's listening out there will definitely want to kind of find out more about how to connect with you. So where's the best places that they can do that? Well, I have a Facebook page. Um, which is where most of my posts are. So that's facebook.com forward slash Tristone Coaching. And I do have a website too, which is Tristone Coaching. So they can either go on Facebook, uh, message me direct from there, put a comment on. I mean, I I love hearing about people's, um, what's going on in their life. And if they want some sort of tips, they feel free to put it on my my page. That's just brilliant, Tanya. So guys, head over to Facebook forward slash Tristone Coaching or uh, Tanya's website, which is just just look up Tristone Coaching. Just Google that out and you will find everything you need to know about how to connect with Tanya and all the great work that she does. Tanya, it's been a total pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. It's been great. So there you have it, my interview with Tanya Heasley from Tristone Coaching. Do leave me a comment or drop me a note on Facebook or Instagram and let me know what your favourite part of this interview was and what resonated most with you. I read all your comments and reply personally, so do get in touch. Okay, that's it from me today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate you taking the time to join me. I'll be back with another episode next week. But before I go, I'd love you to join us in the Ideal Life Club Facebook community, a supportive space I've created for ambitious women who want to grow themselves as well as their business. To find out more and join us, head over to michellereevescoaching.com forward slash Ideal Life Club. And finally, if you liked this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would comment, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. It really does mean that more amazing women will be able to find the show. In the meantime, until next time, be positive, be powerful, be productive and keep fast-tracking your ideal life. Bye for now.